All right, another Sunday recap edition of Always College Football. Let's go through it, man. Got to start with the game of the day. And I think when you look at both Oregon and Washington, and look, I, I thought coming into the game it was going to be a great matchup. And I, I think we all kind of came out of that one. I know someone had to lose. Someone had to, had to come up short, and that ultimately was Oregon. But I don't think anyone felt like Oregon wasn't capable of winning, nor does anyone think that Oregon isn't legit. I actually think it's one of those weird games where both teams actually probably grew their respect level amongst the people that watched the game because of just how well Oregon performed in the matchup. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of talk about the fourth down decision-making from Dan Lanning because you're going to think about the fact that they lost, and that's ultimately what you can point your finger to. Totally get it. Totally think it's okay to have maybe some questions or some doubts with how things went. But I would also say we would be having the same conversation about the other side of the coin and Kalen DeBoer on his fourth down goal line stand sequence play calling had they not won the game ultimately. Or maybe just overall their offensive identity in the second half of the football game because they had no rhythm offensively whatsoever. They were they're taking unnecessary shots. I didn't think Penix got in the rhythm at all until the last drive. So, look, someone has to lose, and I feel like we as a society feel better when we can point blame at one direction. I think the decision by Dan Lanning to go for it was the correct one. And you're going to say, well, how can you possibly say that? It didn't work. Understandable. But this was almost like an arena football game back in the day. It was, well, if we're going to go for it, we can win it right now with their Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback on the sideline. We can win it and take it into our own hands and go for it here on fourth down. Or we can give it back to them here at midfield. And at the same time, their Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback's probably going to go score. Maybe he scores really, really quickly, so we actually get the ball back. There was times in the Arena Football League when they used to actually onside kick it because they wanted to get extra possessions because it was an inevitability that they were going to score. And maybe that's how Dan Lanning felt. The only reason why I would say that people can probably push back on it just a little bit, Oregon at that point defensively had held Washington to multiple three and outs in a row or several stymied offensive possessions. So had they kicked it deep and given Washington poor field position, would Michael Penix and the Washington offense be able to put together a legendary drive? I don't know. We'll never know the answer to that. But I don't disagree with trying to win the game with your own offense on the field. Perfect world, it's fourth and one, maybe fourth and two. Fourth and three becomes a little bit more dicey, and obviously the further you get back, the less you feel good about it. But I did not have a problem with it. I, I really didn't. I thought it was the right move. I don't know what the analytics would say. I'm not, I'm not really an analytics guy. But I do like the aggressiveness. And Dan Lanning, look, he was consistent throughout the game. You can't give Dan Lanning credit for some of the things he did earlier in the game, being aggressive. And then not acknowledge that, hey, he kept the same game plan. It wasn't like, oh, hey, you know what? Let's try going for it at this point of the game. No, he was pretty consistent with him being willing to kind of roll the dice a little bit throughout the game. 
So I didn't have a problem with it. Uh, I hated that Oregon had to lose, but ultimately Washington delivered. They absolutely delivered, man. Michael Penix is a star. The The receiving core is is amazing. Um, that the venue and the setting, it just felt so cool yesterday, didn't it? I mean, didn't it just feel awesome to just watch that game and to just have a big game on the West Coast like that with that kind of buildup and magnitude to deliver the way it did? It was just a special, special afternoon for the Washington Huskies. And look, Michael Penix is, is incredible. I mean, he's just incredible. I didn't even think he played his best game by any stretch of the imagination. He played okay. He played good. He played okay by his standards. <laughs> Amazing by everybody else's standards. But he's capable of more. That's the crazy thing. And I thought Oregon did a pretty good job in the second half of making life a little difficult on him. But with the back against the wall and you got to have it situation, uh, he responded in the biggest possible way. Just a, a gutsy performance there from the Washington Huskies. Uh, other big matchups and other big performances in the game. In the day, let's go with Notre Dame. And we have talked for a little while now about people are calling them frauds. People are calling them, you know, not good, whatever. However you want to describe USC on defense. I mean, I, USC is just not very good. And they're just not. And we've kind of learned that really all season long. Now, Caleb Williams is great. You can have great players and have a team that collectively is just not great. But if you look at where they're at, they looked a little bit better earlier in the season. But then you watch them on the road at Arizona State, and you're like, eh. Then you watch them on the road at Colorado, especially in the second half. You're like, eh. Then you watch them against Arizona, and you're like, ugh. You know what I mean? And now you watch them against Notre Dame. And this was one that Notre Dame had had circled, right? Remember last year? Caleb Williams, his Heisman Trophy moment came against the Fighting Irish, and he secured the trophy that night. So this one was personal for Notre Dame. This one was the one that they had circled, and I think their performances leading up to this one, they were a little bit impacted by the importance and the weight of this game. So I can't say it was totally surprising to see Notre Dame come out and win the way they were able to win, but... They were totally, totally in control of all three phases last night. I mean, just could not have been more in control. Whether it be defensive touchdowns, obviously the kickoff return, just everything that you could possibly have go in your direction, it went in Notre Dame's direction. Now, where does SC go from here? Because we know where Notre Dame's going from here. They're going to look at themselves and probably be kicking themselves for the performances that they had against Ohio State, which they had the ball on their racket and didn't get the job done. And then you look at the performance against Louisville, and was that circumstantial or was that really, you know, was that really who they were? Because Louisville looked awful last night in losing their first game of the season on the road at Pitt, a team that had yet to win an FBS team this year. So we know where Notre Dame's going. They're going to be probably in the New Year's Six. Fast forward down the line. Still got a lot of difficult games on the schedule, I might add. But you got to be optimistic after what you saw last night. USC, where do they go from here? Because there's a lot that's still left on the schedule, man. You got a game against Utah here in a week. Do you guys like your chances right now if you're an SC fan against Utah? 
how Utah's playing just destroyed Cal a moment ago. Great defense. Granted, yeah, it's in it's in the Coliseum, but I can't say I feel great about that situation for the Trojans. At Cal, Cal's scrappy. Cal's very scrappy. Now, granted, they're four, they're three and four, but they've played some teams pretty close. I don't know if that will be competitive, but it is in Berkeley, so maybe they give them a game. You got Washington, your place, you're at Oregon, you're got UCLA. They're not going to be favored in any of the aforementioned three, the last three games. So do they get Utah? I don't know. But I had said last week on the show, USC might be a seven and five football team without Caleb Williams. Well, USC might be a seven and five football team with Caleb Williams. That's the scary thing when you look at what's left on the schedule. There's only one game that's a complete slam dunk, and that's at Cal. And I don't even know if that's a complete slam dunk. I really don't. So time is tough right now for the USC Trojans. Hopefully they can get it righted. But I'm, I've said this already on the show a couple times, man. I think they need to adjust how they practice. I mean, it, you can go to the portal and improve your personnel and all that stuff. That's fine. But, and you can say that Alex Grinch needs to be fired and the defensive coordinator and staff needs to be adjusted. But you look at, I mean, Alex Grinch can't make him tackle. Like Lincoln Riley is the one that formats the practice and they don't tackle well. So makes me think they need to adjust how they do things out there because it's, it's not good. And it doesn't appear like it's going to get any better as the season goes along because things are looking very difficult down the stretch. Uh, the Big Ten powers, if you will, uh, holding serve, right? I thought maybe there was a chance that there would be a game in the Big Ten that would involve teams that, you know, maybe you get an Ohio State look-ahead situation. I mean, going on the road to Purdue, knowing what you got next week, Penn State coming to town, I thought for sure maybe, hey, you know, maybe Ohio State be a little flat this weekend. Just maybe, and by the way, had they been, would have been completely understandable. Totally understandable. Now, Purdue's very human, but Ohio State went out clinic, took care of business, completely killed the will of Purdue. Now, Purdue had several self-inflicted mistakes throughout the game, but still, Ohio State went out, left no doubt there was going to be no drama when they played Purdue this time around. Indiana and Michigan. Game was shockingly tight there early in the game. It felt a little uncomfortable, at least for the moment. Never really felt like Michigan was going to lose the game, but did feel like ah, maybe it's going to be a little bit of nail-biter. But when Michigan's got a 10-point lead, it feels like a boa constrictor. Like a 10-point lead with Michigan feels like they're up by 100. <laughs> because, I mean, how many teams are going to be able to play catch-up against that group defensively? They went into cruise control, and then, boom, it was steady as she goes the rest of the way. Very, very impressive. Georgia, a little bit of a sleepwalk situation against Vanderbilt. Was pretty impressed, actually, with some of the things Vanderbilt was able to do offensively. So that was something maybe that Georgia needs to get addressed. But this was a bit of a letdown spot. I mean, it felt like a situation, hey, man, just kind of run the gamut little bit, seven weeks into the season. Just got a big win. Reading your press clippings this week. Go on the road to Vanderbilt where it's a little sleepy. You got 11 a.m. kick local. Just felt like a spot where maybe they weren't going to have their best stuff, and they didn't by any stretch of the imagination. Brock Bowers is the big takeaway in this one. Will he be at 100%? Because if he's not, then that obviously will have a huge impact on them moving forward. That left ankle or right ankle, whatever it was, didn't look super, didn't look super serious, but... 
maybe something that has an impact on him, knowing just how agile he is. It'd be really tough to know that he might not be at 100%. Florida State rolled against Syracuse. Syracuse is awful. I mean, uh, I don't mean to be rude, but my goodness, man, like they're, they're plan and they don't feel like they have any team speed and just, it's hard to watch Syracuse. It really is. It's just hard to watch them right now, but uh, Florida state kind of flexing a little bit. Keon Coleman is just ridiculous. I mean, seriously, like he is just ridiculous guy, just making ridiculous catches, catch and run situations, being involved in the punt return unit. Like, I mean, he's just an amazing football player. And we thought, you know, we saw a glimpse of it at Michigan State. We, we saw it for sure. I had no idea this type of potential was in there. I thought he was going to be a good, adequate piece to the Florida State team, but he might be their best player. That's how significant his addition was this offseason. Best player on offense, at least. I don't think anyone's taken... <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to supplant... Jared Verse, because he's definitely in there as the number one spot. Penn State rolls, nothing to see there. Uh, Alabama, little shaky, I might add. Good start to the game in cruise control early, up 21-6. And then it felt like collectively Alabama kind of exhaled. Like, all right, we got it. On to the next. Tennessee's next week. Felt like they exhaled, and all of a sudden, Arkansas started to find themselves offensively, got into a bit of a rhythm. Next thing you know, you're in a dogfight, and Arkansas's got the ball with the opportunity to go the length of the field to potentially win the game. But Alabama's defense at that point said, "All right, let's go. Hey, let's go. Let's go close the door right here." So, not a great performance from Alabama. A little bit of a little bit of a sleepwalk after. What was a good start? Second half is something that Nick Saban's not going to be real thrilled with. A uh, couple other takeaways from the weekend. Tennessee, that was a good win. It was a sloppy game. Obviously, a ton of wind. So it had an impact on the game. I mean, goodness gracious, alive, especially in the third quarter. I felt like the wind was at its most significant levels. I mean, looking at, I mean, Texas A&M having to punt into the wind. I mean, obviously they had the punt return touchdown by D. Williams, but the punt felt like he hit it really hard and it went 25 yards or whatever it was. So the wind having a significant impact in that game, obviously a couple of A&M turnovers that kind of broke that thing open a little bit. A&M's defense did do a pretty good job of securing uh, or at least trying to hold that touchdown together. Uh, hold that last drive together to make sure that they gave their offense another chance, but they're just, the offense is just not good enough right now. I mean, Max Johnson throws it off his back foot way too often. It's going to lead to picks. He makes careless decisions, doesn't have a good feel for the rush. And I thought Tennessee did a pretty good job, but their offense has some flaws too. There's a lot to be concerned about. I think if you look at Tennessee's offense, it was a good win, take it and run, but I'll be real curious to see, Hey, is there another gear? that this offense can potentially hit because it just hasn't really gone that well this year at any point. Uh, Oklahoma State, big win. That, tell you what, man, Bedlam is getting better and better as Oklahoma State gets a little bit better. That thing might be legit here in a couple weeks. Uh, Missouri goes on the road to Kentucky. That was a huge win, obviously. What a great, great performance there in the fourth quarter for the Missouri Tigers, ultimately outscoring Kentucky 18 to zip there in the final period to win the game 38-21.
LSU steamrolls Auburn. This game was one of the least surprising outcomes of the weekend to me. Auburn's just not built right now to expose a secondary. They don't have the personnel at wide receiver, and their quarterback isn't really willing to cut the ball loose. So maybe I think a lot of people's takeaways from this is that LSU's offense is legit and Auburn's not good. Maybe LSU's defense is getting a little bit better. I think that's a huge maybe. <laughs> that's a huge maybe. But maybe they are. Uh, they've kind of altered their front. They've adjusted how they line up. So maybe that will help them out quite a bit down the road. Arizona, one of the shockers of the weekend. I think Arizona, I think all of us thought Arizona had a chance to win the game. But to go to the Palouse and to pour it on the Cougars like that, can't say I saw that one coming. Cannot say that that one was expected. Arizona was a touchdown dog in the game. But to see them pound, absolutely pound Washington State in Pullman was something I did not expect under any circumstances. Duke, even without Riley Leonard, gets the job done 24-3. What a great performance by their defense against the NC State offense that had found something a little bit the last couple of weeks, but clearly didn't find enough to be able to take care of business against a very sound, very solid Duke outfit. Utah gets the win over Cal in a convincing victory. I, I keep, I mean, every week we're going to ask the question, is Cam rising back? Is Cam rising back? I'm just going to operate on the assumption that he's not back. I'm, I'm done like wondering, all right, is Cam rising back this week? Is this the week? We, we, it's, just, it's just a waste of time. Because we don't know. <laughs> we never know. But it doesn't matter because Utah's five and one, two and one in the Pac twelve, and are starting to win games more convincingly of late without him. So hopefully he can get back at some point because he will obviously elevate them from great to potentially elite. But they're already great. They're rolling along even in spite of working with their quote number two quarterback. At the moment, Oregon State continues to protect the home field against UCLA. Number one defense in the country. Number one defense in the country, UCLA, goes to Oregon State in Corvallis and gives up 36. I mean, DJ Uyunglele, man, this is the guy that we thought Clemson was getting a couple years ago. He's starting to really look comfortable in this offense. Now, it's not always going to be the most efficient. He's going to have a couple misses. He's never going to be a guy that's just completely lights out. He's not Michael Penix. He's not Caleb Williams. He's not Trevor Lawrence. And he's certainly not, you know, Lamar Jackson or whatever. But he's pretty solid and is, I think, playing very good football at the moment for the Oregon State passing attack. And to think they were able to kind of roll up a performance like this against one of the best defenses in America is nothing short of remarkable. They averaged over 11 yard, or almost 11 yards per attempt through the air. They finished with 415 yards of offense, and then they rushed for 133. That's a double up based on what UCLA had given up for the most part all season long. So they are rocking and rolling up there. When they're in Corvallis, Oregon State is really good. Away from Corvallis, they become a little more human. We've we've learned that already. But at home, man, that is not a place you want to go play. That is not a team that you want to go play right now. And looking at their schedule at Colorado, 
at Arizona the next two. At Arizona is going to be a tough one. That's in two weeks to get a bye week now. Well-deserved bye week for Oregon State. But at Colorado, Stanford comes to them. Washington comes to them. Then they finish on the road in the game against Oregon at their place on November 24th. So a lot still on the bone there for Oregon State, but in pretty good shape right now to potentially make a run to the Pac-12 championship game, especially given how they're playing at home. And a lot of tough games will be at home with the exception of Oregon at the end of the season. So that'll do it for us. There might be a game or two that I missed here or there, and we will get to it. Miami, North Carolina. I didn't even mention my own game. Sorry, I'm very sleep deprived. (laughs) 5 a.m. flights are not good when you're staying in Chapel Hill and flying out of Raleigh. Uh, But I will say this. North Carolina is very real. Very real. I wasn't sure. You know, I actually very much like Miami. I think Miami's really good. They're really athletic. They're really disruptive. And I, I've liked North Carolina. Had them week one against South Carolina, called that game. So I've, I'm very familiar with their game. I'm familiar with your game. Very familiar with who they are and their personnel. And I've studied them at length. I continue to be very, very impressed with how much they grow on a week-to-week basis. I think they're really solid on defense. They continue to apply decent pressure with their defensive line. Cayman Rucker is awesome. I think their secondary is getting a little bit better too. Granted, they gave up a bunch of yards last night to Tyler Van Dyke, but one of them was on kind of a late, you know, heroic, long 60-yard touchdown or whatever. So the, the performance defensively wasn't as bad when you were there as it, might feel looking at the box score because the offense was in total cruise cruise control. And the other thing I'll say about this, Tez Walker makes them very different. When you have Tez Walker and you have a game-changing X receiver that you can just put out there and you got to double that guy because the safety, you got to kind of put him over the top because if he gets one-on-one, he will bury you. That makes them very different. And I think it's going to make them extremely difficult to defend. Amari and Hampton goes for nearly 200. On the ground, the run game was really solid as well. Had a couple big runs. So this North Carolina team, I don't know if I'm going to go as far as to say they're the best team in the ACC. I still think Florida State has a slight edge there. But man, that gap, it's getting more and more narrow as the weeks go along. This North Carolina team is for real. They are really good. And watch, we might fast forward here five, six weeks from now. They might find themselves in the college football playoff conversation because if you look at what they have remaining on their schedule, it is extremely gettable. At Georgia Tech here, obviously two weeks, that's a road trip. They have two games on the road late in the year at Clemson, at NC State. But NC State's just not very good this year. So that game, even though it's a rivalry, that place will be going absolutely bonkers when North Carolina walks into town. Even though it's a rivalry at NC State, I think they get that one. At Clemson, will be a brutal game. But you get Virginia at your place. That should be a win. At Georgia Tech, that should be a win. You obviously get Campbell. That's a win. And I think Duke in Chapel Hill, I think that's a game that they will probably win. They just have a little more firepower than Duke. And I think they're sound enough on the defensive side to be able to keep Duke a little bit in check. So I tell you what, man, we're going to fast forward to week nine, week 10, week 11. And we're going to be looking at North Carolina going on the road to Clemson, potentially in a situation where they're 10 and 0. 
So just keep an eye on the heels, man. They are the real deal. And I continue to be impressed with the progress that they make on a week-to-week basis. That'll do it here for us on Always College Football. If I didn't get to a matchup or a game that you wanted to hear about, tune in to tomorrow's show. There are a bunch of different takeaways that I have from this weekend. We just scratched the surface today. Kind of a little, you know, whip around, check it out. Tomorrow we'll go a little bit deeper. So check it out. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a rating if you could. Leave us a review if you could. That would be amazing. And we so appreciate all of you for coming to us here on a Sunday so that we can talk a little college football. What a terrific weekend it was for the sport. And just know, next week, the week after that, the week after that, the schedules are starting to get a little bit better every single week. So we got a lot to look forward to. we got a lot to preview this upcoming week for week eight of the college football season. For Mark, Jake, Jack, I'm Greg. We hope you have a terrific day. And remember, it's always college football.